welcome to another episode of the evolution exchange podcast um we're actually live today on linkedin we'll give it a couple of minutes to allow people to kind of join and connect before we get into into our really interesting topic today which is is focused on achieving product success and i'm with some really really interesting product leaders from across the nordic region we're going to be discussing a number of different things we've got some really interesting questions that are, are going to come up today um surrounding different industry passions challenges and ideas hi everyone this is chris bennett here and nordic's managing director here at evolution we're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now, I'm Sophie, the host for today, and I connect businesses with talented freelancers within the Swedish market. So while we're waiting for a lot of people to join us live, um, let's start with some introductions to, to this great panel. Today, I'm here with Helen, Robert, and Pauline, the podcast that we will be discussing is the product leaders playbook achieving product success and before we actually deep dig sorry dig deep into this topic i'm going to introduce you to my amazing participants well going to get them to introduce themselves and we'll start with pauline um so tell us pauline who you are what you do and what your passions are yes hello everyone so I am uh, Pauline Suorono and I work as uh, head of product with B2C in Telia Finance. And uh, Telia Finance is a company acting as a finance engine for Telia company, the telecom operator. And what I'm passionate about, I'd say that I'm passionate about people, processes and like emotions such as motivation. Um, like since I was a kid, I've been interested in psychology and behavioral science. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, what is it that motivates us? And why do we act and feel and think the way we do? And like, how can we improve? And then sometimes I get quite like philosophical, like what is improvement and, and so on. So basically human and behavior. I love that. No, that's so interesting. And I imagine kind of being a leader in the product area, you're dealing with people on the team but also people who are using the product so sounds like a really good crossover thank you Pauline and Helen we'll come over to you for your intro yeah hello my name is Helen uh, I'm a senior product manager at Ventures uh, so basically we're a venture studio both uh, investing in startups uh, so we have about 30 investments in different tech companies uh, but we do also have bigger scale-ups and the bigger corporations with product development. Uh, so that, I mean, I think we see it as what can we bring from the smaller companies that they do well, where they have a lot of money, a lot of pressure, and then the big corporations and what they do well and do kind of that mix. And, and I'm really passionate about helping our customers or 
anyone within product build the right things. I think a lot of pressure comes from top management around why is your team not performing or how can you do more things, but rather look at it, uh, look at it as do are we doing the right things if you're not seeing enough uh, outcome of what we're actually working on. Nice. No, I think um sounds like you're in a really good position to be able to help so many people within the organizations. Yeah, definitely, which is fun. Oh, thank you, Helen. And last but not least, Robert, we're coming over to you. Yeah. Hello, everyone. My name is Robert. I'm a product owner at Rate and Convenience Sweden. Maybe you're not aware of this brand, but if I tell you that it's uh, managing the 7-Eleven store and press bureau, maybe you know uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, you have maybe met them in the subway or been in, in a shop somewhere uh, around Sweden or maybe in the subway. Uh, so I've been a product owner now for eight years uh, and uh, my passion here is a little bit, uh, that's how Helen was mentioned, a lot of uh, how do the customer interrupt with the, uh, interact with the product, are they doing the right thing, uh, do they understand it uh, when it comes to uh, look and feel and so on. So I really am passionate about uh, creating, creating a new product and see that the customer are really happy with the product as well. So that's my passion for oh, my thing. No, I love that. I think, yeah, when you say a uh, 7-Eleven and the fresh beer, everyone would have known. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Love that. So let's just dig straight into this topic because it's such an interesting one. We have got some really good questions that you've all suggested. Um, so, yeah, let's waste no time. Helen, we'll come over to you for your first question, which is how do you inspire other parts of the organization you work with to be more data-driven instead of driven by personal feelings? So tell us more. Yeah, I mean, I really love this question because uh, I met many different types of uh, both startups and working in bigger corporations as well. And what I always see is that uh, all of the founders and top management, they have so many good ideas and they usually have a really good insight of what the industry looks like and what competitors are doing. But when you kind of dig deep into uh, what the outcome will be of like doing all of these things, it, it really doesn't always drive to the same goals or what your kind of OKRs for the team or for the companies. So I, I'm just wondering here, like more around how do you tackle this within your organization? Are you experiencing the same thing? Uh, or is it, is it just me seeing these like all good ideas, but not all validated within data or user insights? I mean, from my point of view, I, I really agree with you. Um, in our organization, we have an approach. We have a strategic initiative that's saying like, get more data driven actually. Uh, and people are speaking about it uh, like it is the, the best thing ever, but we are actually not doing so much about it, at least not from the top level. Um, and it's quite interesting as you're saying that as well, because we, we really have the same issue here, or not an issue, I, I would say issue opportunity. Many people, they really see it as an opportunity and see it as like, this is the future, this is something we really need to do but we only talk about it. Uh, and then we actually don't do anything about it, at least not from the top. Yeah, I can really refer to that well as well. From from our my perspective when it comes to in Rayton at the moment, we 
we are in the beginning of a big agile transformation as well and building up the product team and uh, like i mentioned for you before this this uh podcast we are, are soon launching a new app you know we we are really try to go in, into the data driven more uh talk to the customer but you know also we need to have the teams around us be be more as well uh, involved in this and also get the information how how what are our customers saying what what are the thoughts and thinking so i'm really familiar with this as well from my side here so that's uh yeah i see that when when we're talking to like new customers because a lot of the startups that come to us, they're kind of pitching their ideas. Sometimes they only have a PowerPoint of what they actually want to build. Uh, but then when they get, get a bit further, they already have a product and they're trying to kind of accelerate that. That's, I think, when it's starting to get crucial around getting user feedback. Uh, we did help a customer recently, which had a lot of ideas. Like their backlog was completely full of things that they wanted to improve on. But we did convince them that, can we please just do five or six customer interviews? Uh, because we want, just want to make sure that we're validating that all of these things that are in the backlog, that we can prioritize them correctly and make sure that it is the right things. Mm-hmm. And what we found was really interesting when we did these interviews, we found that a lot of the things that they wanted to build was not going to lead to their goal. They were going to. It was going to help them with their products going to look more flashy. They can market it more bid to investors and things like that, be more competitive with their competitors, but it wasn't at all what the user wanted. The user had completely different problems. And so that really just helped us do not what was in the backlog, but actually improving different things where we think that they're going to get so much more value out of their product and actually get more customers into it just because we could get those five, six interviews to focus on digging into what was the actual problems where them not converting, for example. Okay. Have you yeah, tried anything uh, like that, Robert? Uh, yeah, we, we, we're, we're really trying to do as much as possible due to the time, of course. Uh, but I, I want also to mention a bit that we, when it comes to uh, the question inspire other parts of the organization as well, we at the uh, late time we, we, we did this Christmas, a, a soft beta launch for our app, uh, just to get them the knowledge about how, how would they look like and also get, uh, get some kind of attachment, how to feel the feeling of it and also get some kind of feedback on it as well. It's fast to validate and take further in the, de- in the longer run for the development. So I, I think that try to be transparent as much as possible, everything you develop. Also internally, of course, to get the, get them away from the personal feeling and really show them how it can be working with data driven. And uh, that is something that we at least have started with, at least from a plus perspective. So I think that is a good thing to have in mind. Uh, not not only, of course, always look with the customer's perspective, but also do it in, in the organization as well, internally, if that's possible. Yeah, I agree. Like it's great to involve people as well in the organization. Uh, that makes sense. It, it it gives them a sense of uh, like that I'm I'm a part of something bigger and I'm doing this as well and so on. Uh, and I also think like if you if you try to to do a, a data driven way of work, you try experimentation or A/B testing, whatever, you can also show a story around it. Like you can share this story to the rest of the team internally and and be like, yes, this is how we explored and validated our hypothesis that we had 
And that is actually a, a kind of fun exercise that that is that we can share internally. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think listening to to you all describe that, it sounds like you almost want to shift the focus from kind of the feeling of them um, being attached to kind of their own emotions about the the certain decisions they're making to the journey you're taking them on as product leaders of, okay, get excited about this story that I can tell because of the data we've got. Um, no, love that. Really good question to kind of kick things off, Helen, um, and some really great insights from from the examples you gave. And now, Robert, we'll come to your question a little mm-hmm. bit different, more more leaning towards the team building element of your role as product leaders. And it's kind of team building within the team, the team spirit, and how to actually build bridges with the team and other stakeholders, which is ultimately key for your success as a yeah. product owner. So yeah, tell yeah. us more about your experiences. Uh, yeah, Mac, absolutely. Uh, my experience that I have been on, on the other companies that I've started uh, work with uh, has been that I was have the responsibility to build the agile transformation more or less uh, it that means that we have a new team on place uh, and maybe we not know each other so much none of us uh, none of us and we just be we are new to each other uh, and also from that part as a team we also are new to all people around us uh, when they come to marketing it uh, sales etc and uh, so like i said my my thoughts a little bit uh, I want to like hear your from your opinion how how we how we have how have you build uh, set up the team building when it comes to like get the team spirit going uh, the bridges between teams and other departments just hear your experience about that question yeah I mean I think this is such an important question I've seen like when when you have a really good team building that's when your team can actually perform mm. and whenever a team member leaves or someone else joins, you're taking back to square one. And so, I mean, I think I did this uh, mapping at one point where I tried to map out the team's performance uh, over time. Uh, And then we went through that and had kind of a look at what happened when we went down in performance. And it was always like someone coming or leaving. And then shortly, after you had the storming period where everyone had to get to know each other, had to learn a new way of working. And when you got past it, then you could really get into the sweet sweet spot again of being able to collaborate in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I would say that you really need to work on it actively and do that as a PO or a PM for your team. It's not going to come just naturally. And the more you can work on it, the faster you can get up to speed to get into these sweet spots of having really good um, teamwork. Um, and I mean, I think a lot of tools are out there to to help you. Like, I would encourage like your team never to have your camera turned off. I would say that that's such a bus scale to go into a day and you can't see anyone in your team. Don't know if they're still in band or <laughs> what you're actually doing. Um, and then like having like these uh, especially during COVID, we always had these coffee chats yeah, yeah, so yeah. that we could actually just chat and be not working with each other. And uh, we always had someone in charge of a game so that it had, didn't have to be awkward just looking at each other. <laughs> if it was someone new or someone didn't feel comfortable, you never know with individuals. 
Uh, so we played a lot of like Among Us or other online games uh, just to get conversation starting and also to invite other parts of the organization to join into those chats so they can also be a part of the kind of unofficial conversation in the team. I think that really, really was key for us at least, uh, having a remote team. Colin, how have you guys done it? I mean, the thing that I can relate this to is that when I started some years ago, we were very separated, like in products and in IT, for example. And we have we have also been moving to more like an agile way of work uh, during the past years. And also when it comes to cross-functional teams and so on, we have been getting closer. And what I have seen as a success is that like my product team as a leader, I had to get it with the like engineering manager and so on, being very keen on including IT and product in each other's both like meetings and teams. And when we speak, we never say like, yeah, product team, IT team. We say teams, like four mm-hmm. team. And that is including like both IT and product and now also UX and so on. So like how we use the language is a thing when we speak about teams. Uh, and also we have like a team first approach. The team sh- uh, should decide and make like, if we need to change something, it should come from the team. They should speak about it first. It shouldn't be a top down uh, solution, but they should like, for example, we, we split the team in groups and they had to investigate like um, way of working, like agile way of working on different methods. And then they presented it to us, both in IT and in product. And then they decided together, like how we should work here over. So when you have a team first approach and you let the team decide, um, the the individuals, they feel that they are a part of something larger. And they are not like looking at the individuals as you lead your team, you lead your team. So we are a group and we do these things together. So how we speak to the teams and not only like IT team, product team. And so I think that is very important and something that we have succeeded with here at least. Okay. Oh, that's that's in- interesting because the topic you mentioned, the last thing you mentioned there, Pauline, is that uh, we are trying truly to do it as well from a perspective when we like trying to invite them more like a team on a daily basis, like listening to our agile way of ceremonies, try to get them involved more, what are we doing really and how it's working from our side. So get them to understand more. Uh, they know that we are doing some development of the product. If we do apps or web or what, what, what it is, but you know, trying to also get them a little bit more understanding of how will we do it. Mm. Uh, and also invite them more or less that to like specific demo sessions in the organization, show them more. Uh, uh, this is what we have and for now, this is what we're going to aim for. Um, a, a lot of transparency of, of our way of working. Uh, so that's interesting to hear that, that yeah. you know, so, so far in that, that at least that's good. And I would say also like it's so, and uh, the best workshops that you have is like when you can mix both the stakeholders from your team, like the, your developers with like the decision makers, because that's, I think it's very eye opening for decision makers to see that. The developers also have the best ideas at times. Like they, they are the experts in the product that you're building as well. They need to be involved in all of these conversations and getting that kind of trust as a developer and also uh, just being able to show that this is who I am and this is what we know. It's, it's really big for being able to build that confidence and, and team and kind of the trust within the product that you're building. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. You had like innovation days in your companies? Not, uh, not from my side at least. Uh, we are trying to aim for that this year, and that's one of our goal at least to really have innovation days and and more or less invite them to be come and join us, uh, whatever it means. So we we are we have uh, talked about it, but not set it up yet. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but that's great. I mean, we have had it twice now and we will continue to have it. And okay. what we do is is also to not only have like the developers, they are doing their things and the, the, the product owners in B2B, uh, they are doing their things, but we are totally combining like people that never, never speaks with each other. They they get to cooperate. Uh, so new ideas are, are, are yeah in the making and it's very fun, actually. It's a fun activity. And it's also very good, exactly as you said there, like there is a quote that says something like the people who are most innovative aren't the ones who works on the business, but in the business or something like that. Uh, and that is uh, related to that developers, they often have the, the best ideas. So if they get a chance to actually solve a business problem, they are often very, very innovative. And if they can on that level, brief together with the product owners or together with marketing or whoever, um, that creates a lot of great ideas, actually. Yeah, I thought sure. No, I haven't had like innovation this either, but I want to do it every day. <laughs> it's not That's something I want to do. <laughs> exactly. Wait for it every six months. It should be part of your everyday work. Yeah. I it, sound, it sounds like the, the key to success then is kind of really valuing the team and giving back um even though in different ways people do it definitely sounds like there's a common ground between between you all um, and we've actually got a question here from someone listening Olkan, who says how do you prepare the po- the product pitch document a uh, bit of a tongue twister that one so yeah anyone <laughs> care to kick off with their experience with the product pitch document uh, yeah if I, if I refer to that I maybe I, I think that uh, from our side we when we are adding the pitch product document uh, up to like how should we act on this one uh, one thing that I'm really passionate about to really implement here in that document that maybe I've I've think a lot of companies maybe forget is that have the uh, the customer's value in it as well uh, before you present it uh, of course like we have internal thoughts we have hypothetics we we, we know maybe what we want to uh, add in the document but also don't forget the customer's input in that as well and maybe do some round customer panel interviews or something uh, that's my my tip for this is a lot of good ideas, but if you don't have the customer with us in that document, maybe that can be wrong when we're starting with it from the beginning. And I'm again back to the like storytelling. It's always good to, to, to use storytelling and exactly as you said, like involve user, uh, involve data. Yes, oh, that's so good. Involve data, customer data. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And try to get maybe help from designers. And uh, in this, I mean, they're your best friend as a PM uh, so that you can get some nice screens and things like that in terms of testing things, you want to test websites or in your storytelling to really get that idea more broadly and described. Sometimes it's tough to do it in words and as a PM, you're very involved in your own product. So it's 
hard to get everyone around you to get as passionate about that as you are. So really getting those into images or problem statements and things like that in your page documents will really help you. Perfect. Well, yeah, some great ideas there. And thank you, Alkan, for the for the question. Okay, so moving on to Pauline, your question of how do you get room to have experimentation as part of your team's everyday work? Another really, really good question. So take it away. Yeah, and I love how we speak about experimentation and data. Uh, I, I really enjoy this topic. Um, and as I mentioned quickly before, it's also about like, it has to be grounded from the top, uh, from the beginning. In my team, we have been trying to do like A-B tests and uh, integrate data, but it's super hard for the product owners to prioritize this if it's not like anchored from other parts of the organization. Um, so that is one thing that has to be done. Like, okay, the strategy says that we should do this, that we should prioritize this. Um, and we should use like experimentations and data just as we want to work uh, with the scale agile framework or just as we want retros. I mean, we need to really ground it. Like, okay, this is something we really want to do and want to spend time on. And for that, it's as, as we discussed before, like you, why we, do we need to do this? Because we can't only um, do like prioritization or, or mind uh, work on how we should prioritize things. We also need to validate afterwards to be able to create more products. So mm -hmm. this first, we need to understand, like, why are we doing this? And everybody needs to be aligned uh, and understand, um, like, why, why should we get data driven? So that is what we spoke about shortly before, but that is, after that, it is actually to make room for it in a concrete way. You need to prioritize it in the backlog. Uh, you need to make room as a product owner in the backlog for experimentation. Um, and like, that is mainly how, how it should work. It's up to the product owner to prioritize this, but to be able to prioritize this, um, we need to have it sold down in the organization. Uh, we also need to prioritize for the developers to be able to develop the tools that are needed for this before we start with it. So we need to count with many different things that will take time um, to use experimentation. But in the long run, this will save us a lot of time because we are doing the right things and we are able to validate. Um, so this is like how I see it. But uh, how do you do it in your organizations? Uh from from my side, in uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that we are just in the beginning of an agile transformation in Rayton, and we are uh, we have a, a goal to do to thrive on uh, to set. Uh, but you know, in Rayton, we also are more like we are also a support office. We are not a head office, so we support also our stores and the store owners. Uh, so we need to think when we, when we're talking about customers, uh, we also talk about the the people that are visiting our stores but we're also talking about the store owners because we are supporting them and uh, so we need to start from that side also also uh, have a strategy to talk to the store owners and that their experience how they are how it's working for them how what is the customer saying so uh, we are not so uh, coming coming so far with this uh, but we are really in the beginning of it but from my side as a product owner I'm really trying to in, implement this in our daily work, in our agile way working, like try to uh, 
talk to in some custom interviews or go to talk to the stores, you know, we have them all around us. So we can just go to a store and talk to them. So that's quite easy for us. Uh, but like you said, that it, it's good for us to have that opportunity and also talk to the customer in that way. So, so if we don't can talk to the uh, external customers, we talk to the store owners as well, because they have a lot of information for us that we need to have. It's just up to me to, of course, prioritize it and get the time for it. That's the hardest part. Yeah, I think, like you said, like getting the support, like technically to be able to do experimentation, that's where I struggle to make that, make that time hmm. and, and prioritize depending on all the other things you want to do. And so I think when I've done experimentations, either it's um, not dependent on the team. So whatever you can do yourself with a designer or uh, your marketing team, I found that mo much more easier in terms of experimentation and having more data support. Uh, but then also, like sometimes we go into projects just doing experimentation, and then then it's easier to do it as uh, everyday work. But then you have like other constraints. Uh, the customer knows that this is the only thing you'll be doing, and in terms of customer delivery, they still want to see you deliver things, even if you or experimentation, they were doing experimentation and the most of our experiments will fail. So this is where it gets really interesting in terms of your customer uh, to show that we actually saved a lot of time for you because these nine experiments failed, but we had this one that actually succeeded. So let's develop this one instead. Uh, so I think that's probably where either if it's a customer relationship or if it's in an organization, to be able to highlight even your failures in your experimentation to show that this is actually something that you need to do to be able to build the right things. Right. Yeah, really, it's a part of it. I mean, yeah. we, we should, and when it comes to agile, we are working and so on. I mean, we, we need to allow people to not, not fail, that is the wrong wording for it, but to, to, uh, to find bugs, to find yeah. issues. I mean, that is what we do. Uh, we find issues and we solve them. Uh, when we find issues, that is when we have to succeed in a way <laughs> to start with. So yeah, it's interesting. And, and also to convince, like, I promise this was good. I know we failed nine times. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a hard job, but it's a typical like product owner job. Yeah. yeah. And it's like setting that expectation that we're going into this experimentation and we will fail. And yeah, that's like the goal. We let us fail. It will be better soon. <laughs> exactly. In the last term. Yeah. Yeah. But it is the mindset. That is really this. Yeah. It's definitely interesting listening to um <laughs> to the, the how you phrase it, how you kind of sell the fact that failure is coming. Like it, it's a good thing. Uh, like you said, I imagine most product owners listening will hundred percent feel feel the pain that you've gone through. <laughs> so thank you again another good question and we've got one here from the newsletter so what are your best tips for creating a good product strategy so yeah tell us kind of any experiences any examples that you've got from um from creating good product strategies uh yeah from, from my side i maybe i was uh, adding it in my topic but you know when I was impressed, present myself, uh, what I was uh, my passion about, but you know, it's about to identify your target audience before 
uh, before you start create something. Uh, we need to have the deep understanding on the target audience, uh, their wants and needs. Uh, you know, we, we are the products are used by people, so look, putting users and their needs first is always a good idea. Uh, it's a little bit my thoughts here, uh, and that means maybe you you do use research uh, as part of your product design or de development lifecycle, user interviews as I mentioned before. So. I would say my best tips here is like uh, identify your target audience in the product strategy. Of course, it's a lot of other things, but I think that's quite uh, important, of course, to to have in mind. Yeah, and I think I mean we we meet a lot of customers and just help them with the product strategy, and always when we kind of look into new products or new companies, what's really difficult when they don't have a product strategy to understand like. What are you trying to achieve? Like what's most important and what's not important? What are you measuring? Like these type of very basic questions are all quite often forgotten. And if you haven't defined what's important now and what's not important now, it's going to be really difficult to prioritize your teamwork and, and your roadmap going forward. So I would say that, uh, yeah, making sure that you have defined what's important now and how you'll measure that is is really key and as like you said for who like what's the audience yeah i agree i am another really old uh, challenging how to say if the product strategy i mean we work as uh interior finance our strategy is actually to help and support someone else to grow like tlia telco to grow yeah um, so we need to focus on that was other maybe focus on quality or, or cost or revenue. Like there are different things to focus on. And exactly as you said, we need to, you need to clarify what is the right focus for your organization and for your product, who is your target audience, um, and make that research, um, and like also identify competitors, uh, to, to see the right or understand the position of your product. I mean, there are millions of tips to be honest, but yeah. the most important thing is to, uh, actually understand, as you mentioned there, like what is, what, what is the benefit of my product? What is it that I want to achieve with this? Uh, so to start there and then do your homework with the data and everything that you mentioned. I really, I haven't held, I don't know if you've tried that, but have you tried the Netflix model? And uh, in terms of product strategy, I haven't. No, I no, I, that's new for me. <laughs> I I tried it now a couple of times. I think it's uh, it's uh, there's a lot of like nice things to pick out of from there, um, and one of those things is like, are you prioritizing growth, monetization, or engagement? And uh, because those three things usually don't go hand in hand. <laughs> And from a product side, you want to know, like, are we growing to be able to support a really big user base? Do we just want to make sure that they're getting into the product and, and uh, just having many of them, or is it really important that they're actually active, the ones that we have, uh, or are we growing with a profit? So we want to make sure that every customer comes in is profitable, so we can sell something to them and it's enough with 10 customers as long as they bought something. So these three things, I think really kind of, I think that's what's most important in, in setting. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, 
interesting. It's, uh, it seems like a, a fun, catchy name as well, the Netflix model. Um, I'm sure people listening will definitely like to go and apply that and think about it within their products. <laughs> and Google it right away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everyone's like, what, what is my product? It's a lot to read, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's a nice one. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for sharing it. Sure. And we've got another question here from from Melanie, who, who works at Evolution. She focuses a lot on product leaders within the gaming scene across the Nordics here. So I know she was uh, actively really looking forward to this to kind of take to some of her customers as well. And she's asked, how do you work with cross-functional teams? So design, engineering, marketing, to ensure that everyone is aligned on the product vision and working towards a common goal. So yeah, big question. Um, yeah. Anyone feel free to take uh, it. I'm, I can think from my experience uh, in this as uh, uh, is that I've built a lot of different forms uh, and invite the right uh, departments, the right people to really, yeah, based on communication, transparent. What, where are we, what are we doing? Uh, how can marketing help us? What, 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 where are we in the design phase? Uh, where are we in the engineering? So no, for my, my tips here, that's like communicate, how to build the separate forums based on her needs and how the setup is. Uh, my experience that it has quite, you, the better communication you have in this forum, the more you have them, the better you, they will understand the product vision and have the common, common goal. Uh, and based on my experience, at least. How, how how does it work for me? Uh, and also in a big international company as well uh, that I worked with. Uh, try to involve so much as possible. Good. Um, and in our organization, we actually follow the same uh, same framework mm. uh, and we work with Sprung. So we have like two week sprints and sprint reviews. And during these sprint reviews, we, we we demo our products and so on as we should do but actually in the beginning beginning of every sprint review we also share like product vision uh, product roadmap where we are and so on and then we go down to the developers and we involve the whole cross-functional team and also external stakeholders and so on and this has been actually a quite successful event we have uh, been given a lot of good feedback that it keeps people aligned yeah. Um, so it's exactly as you mentioned, like the right forums. And we also have cross-functional team forums every second week where we walk through the features because uh, we walk with features and epics and so on. And then we always speak about the product, the vision and so on. So we kind of over-communicate. But uh, like latest today, actually, uh, a guy from our economy department, he said like, you rather over-communicate uh, than just uh, not involve us. So yeah. I do appreciate that. and. <laughs> Yeah, we make forums for these cross-functional teams, and we also have a broader screen review every second week. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Good tips. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Colleen, to have like everyone involved in those meetings that you already have uh, to get more involved. And especially, I would say, design and marketing, you idea you want them to be a part of your team, like your product team. That's like the, the sweet spot, right? So is there any way for you to make them a part of your team as much as possible if they stay staying kind of your their tribes but that they're part of your everyday work because a lot of the challenging challenges and things that you're uh, facing as a team day to day 
are things that maybe the designer could help you overcome more marketing and they would get such a different insight of your opportunities and challenges if they could be a part of that everyday conversation. Actually, our, our like a UX designer and also a marketing resource when it comes to Copic, they attend our dailies. Uh, That's really so, good. Yeah. I'm and sorry. that is by choice. Like they want to do that and they feel it's, uh, yeah, because of course we can't decide that they should do it, but if they want to do it and they want to hear the developers speak with each other, then it's totally fine. And they feel very involved today. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that is great. We actually have a, a good success when it comes to this cross-functional cooperation. And if you do involve like more people in your dailies, I think it's, it's even more important to have a parking lot or 60 minutes so that yeah. the developers or anyone that needs to talk more technically can do that afterwards. So you can really keep the daily to what everyone's more involved or interested in. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Nice, some really, really good ideas. And it almost kind of loops back to your topic, Robert, of kind of how to create that team culture across different departments. Yeah. It seems like if you kind of nail that, then all of these benefits and these positives can kind of fall into place. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not brilliant insight as always. I mean, I think with we kind of run through all of the questions we've got here um is there anything else either of um or all of you wanted to ask about anything more specific when it comes to kind of the product world or leading a product team anything at all that you wanted to discuss or, or ask and share with each other i i just want to ask you pauline this question you, you mentioned the innovation that you have done it two times now right uh, yeah how was the resource of that? What's the like? What's the how 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 the organization react on this innovation? Um, the participants they were super happy. They thought it was like a very fun time, and they got to think about something else than the actual work. Yeah. Um, and the first time we actually let the developers together with the product owners and marketing, uh, we let them discover whatever not a business need but actually they they invented like a an app that told which restaurant is the best right now like you know during lunch we are here in more scandinavia in stock no, yep. so uh it's very hard to choose sometimes so they created an app that chooses where they should go for lunch okay yeah, you have one of it's very fun and very engaging and uh, yeah. you know yeah um so so the feedback was great because it was a fun activity. Uh, and then I, as like a head of products, uh, I was like, okay, she would do something with more business value. <laughs> so there are different aspects on that, but uh, we have only gotten positive response um, yeah. from these days. Yeah. That is interesting to hear, hear the results of it because we are also thinking from our side to implement it uh, soon when we have the time, of course, uh, after everything that we do. So uh, that's really really good input and I will have that in my mind going. And one tip there, Robert, you have to create the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the hardest part. <laughs> I know. I totally agree with you, yeah. but you will never have time. So no, exactly. So <laughs> they need, it needs to be planned. <laughs> That's good. Oh, lovely. Um, well, yeah, anything else from, from anyone to kind of wrap this up? Um, if not, I definitely wanted to take this this chance to kind of say thank you, Helen, Robert, Pauline, 
there's actually been some really, really insightful pieces of information that you've all shared. And I know people listening definitely will take away something, if not multiple things from from the whole of the conversation. So thank you all for joining and thank you to everyone who's listening. If anybody wishes to participate in a future podcast or would like to discuss how we can help you find the next addition to your team, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Obviously, drop me a message. We're always looking for people who are just as insightful as the three people I'm joined with here. Other than that, thank you all and have a lovely evening.